Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Kari Way Frazier, and I'm welcoming you to the Detroit is Different podcast part two. This time, I got a very, very special person, Carolyn Strio. She's a great performer, one of the best to bless the stage in and around the Detroit area and also around the world. And she's also a great close friend in music. She talks about her travels throughout the world to Japan and Italy and so many other places where she's touched stages and given people her mix and her blend of R&B punk rock soul and even a little eastern european feel as we talk about a waltz and one of my favorite songs on shante we talk about our band we talk about our husband scott we talk about dave we talk about bonnie we talk about ron and how they come together and approach the rehearsals and the creative process and how she stays inspired to continue giving she's also a teacher a special ed teacher and she talks about how the students help her out and she even helps the students out so much by just staying comedic staying creative and staying in the vibe and the groove of the rhythm that she always gives all the time she blends this is a real fun conversation i hope you enjoy it it's a lot of good to do detroit is different thank you so much
I'm good. I'm good, Carrie. You can hear me all right? Yes, ma'am. Got you a full effect. Got you a full effect. All right. So to start off what we're going to do, I just really kind of want to talk about your past and everything in music and just tell the story about how you are a performer. And before we even get into that, let me say that you're one of my favorite performers to see. Uh, the first time I saw you was when we did that Motown is Our Town song with Paul mm-hmm, Miles. Mm-hmm. Paul is a really good friend yeah. of music. He's a blues artist um, and just a really good dude. I've never seen him with a bad spirit, and he knows a lot of artists. He pulled off a Detroit version of We Are the World. Scott's here, too. Scott's on Yeah, we had so much fun doing that. And Paul's fantastic. I know, and that was actually before you guys were married. So yeah. A, a couple was, of days ago. <laughs> you're married to Scott Daly, who's in the audience here as well. That's right. And I remember myself, Scott, and Luther Keith, and Nate Deere, we were like working out some of the yep. issues because it was, how many people were on that song? Like, oh, there was so many people. There was, um, there was uh, a whole group of us, including, oh, Barbara Payton was there too. Remember, yeah, yep. yeah. And I'm forgetting the guy Crone, uh, uh, the guy. Oh, uh, there was a, so many people. Singers. Um, it's a it's a Hawaiian yeah. musician that makes Detroit music. And see, this is like so Paul Miles. It's like a Hawaiian based musician, Crone. That knew Paul Miles, and Paul Miles is like, you got to get on this as well. Yeah. So, I, just classic Paul Miles bringing that. He brought so many people together, and it was great. And he did that video. 
I think that was also nominated for a music award. I think it won it. There I was so th yeah, yeah, it was great. There was such a good energy. It was all this positive. I mean, he's such a positive guy too, and he's so talented, Paul. And that introduction led to the show afterwards at it was at Memphis Smoke. So this is right. Because yep. Memphis Smoke. Smoke yeah. And that was when Paul was like, "You guys need to work together." Yeah. And then soon after, we did this show at, you had a show at Northern Lights. And I was like, okay, I'll do a spot. That was fun, too. That yeah. That was my favorite show. Yeah, Northern Lights is a great place. And we had a great time that night. You came up. We did that freestyle, that yep. song. And, you know, I, we still got to do that. We got to record it. We need to record a lot of It was a crazy night. And just for the people listening, let me tell you, Carolyn's performance is some of the best performance I've seen, period. So what she brings to the stage and the energy, I've, I'm generally in a place thinking that I want to leave. All the time. Like, like seriously, I have a 45-90 rule, meaning I'm going to stay in a place for 45 or 90 minutes. That's right. You've always made me stay because the energy you bring to the stage, whether it's playing the keys with your elbows when you're playing on the keys right. or rocking on the guitar next to everybody on stage. Like, you're one of the few performers that actually, as a musician, moves around the whole stage. Yeah, you know, I think that's just what I've done always. And, you know, now it's kind of honed in a little certain way, but I don't plan, you know, how you plan things. Well, obviously, I know when I'm going to play the keyboard generally, but it's just some kind of, there's just the energy takes you over up there, you know. And speaking of the energy that takes you over, because creatively and the passion you bring to the stage, the first question I have for you is, what was the first show you saw to make you say, okay, just what was your first music show? You mean concert? Just concert period. Concert period, going to a concert was probably um, Patti Smith at Ford Auditorium, and that was a long time ago. And she was, I think it was Sparks, the band's from England, and... And she was amazing. I mean, it was just, I already knew how amazing she'd be, and it was just confirmed that I really, I, this was what I wanted to do. So seeing her was like catalyst to say, okay, I want to do this. Because I would say being in any industry as a woman is tough. But the music industry as a woman and a performer on stage and rock in a city like this, there's so many men. Yeah, and especially back then. I mean, it's it's bad enough now, but I don't know if it's worse again. But it, it just it was. It was really um, just something. I didn't think of it that way though, because like the people I saw. I mean, first of all, there was this huge glitter glam rock thing with David Bowie and you know just great artists like that, and that was you know even before. And then with Patty, and then there was so many just different. We had Motown here. We had the the big influence. It's like music was part of life. It wasn't something like separate. I think a lot of people now they don't get. You know what I mean? It's like a separate. Like they're not even going as many shows as kids did then. To me, but I might be wrong. But it's just kind of the scenario that it's just part of what you do. You listen to music. You love it, and it's all all around you. So growing up in Detroit, it's like that. For me, it was like that. Okay, and as you talk about growing up in Detroit, I definitely want to start with who's the ties that brought you here? Uh, who was the first family member that lived in Detroit? Well, my mom and dad, their parents were from Eastern Europe and, you know, settled here um, way long ago, too. And, you know, the, the tide of the immigrants from Eastern Europe, part of um, my family. So my mom and dad grew up in Detroit 
uh, right uh, not far from here on the southwest side. Okay. Yeah. So what, what was the church or the neighborhood that they lived in? They were, yeah, they were kind of near Holy Redeemer Church, mm -hmm. actually. And they, um, you know, the whole Clark Park, the whole area down here is where they were kids, you know. Okay, what did it look like coming up or then as far as you as a child seeing this neighborhood? Because I've seen this neighborhood change myself. Well, you know, I, I had come back to this neighborhood to see it, but I grew up on in Detroit on the west side, further out. Further out near 6th and Southfield. Okay. Yeah, and the, near Rosedale Park, but not quite in Rosedale Park. Um, and that's pretty much where I was for years and years until I went to Wayne State. Okay. I mean, there was a brief period out. Um, we were out in the Plymouth area, but it was brief. And after that, we came back to Detroit. So, And then I never left. Well, I'm glad <laughs> that you're still here. Yeah. Question. Anybody else in your family that played music that just introduced you to this? Um, my mom and dad loved music. I mean, that's all you heard in our house was, you know, because then there was, of course, there was TV, but it was just, I, mean, I guess I'm dating myself, but it's not, it was nothing like it is now. There was only so many stations, right? Mm -hmm. And so they played a ton of music all the time, and we would go to, you know, to shows and things like that. What so, type of music did, was it a difference? Because I know my mom's taste in music is different than my dad's taste. Was it the same? Well, they liked they liked all kinds of stuff. I mean, they they liked a lot of jazz, and my mom loved big band. You know, she was really into that Louis Armstrong and things like that. But they they listened to modern stuff too, and they listened to ethnic music because they were both you know um, first immigrant you know from the our family. So it was like a lot of kind of polka stuff and and um and gypsy chardash Hungarian music and but then also like music you'd hear in the 60s and 70s you know that there was the popular stuff going on okay and that leads me right to one of my favorite songs from you the Anshante song and when I listen to that song immediately I'm like it's a waltz in this song and I was like I need to do something like with the three-fourths time and what's so strange is Sterling actually made the music for that my friend Sterling in the back he just walked in with Hi. Song, <laughs> producer and everything and one of my best homies so was Writing that song, was that something that you already kind of had in the back of your mind that you were going to write a song that was close to that? I guess so. You know, I didn't think of it that way, but I had this really cool keyboard thing, like controller thing with this Pro Tool. I don't, it wasn't even Pro Tool. I don't know what it was. And we were doing shows like at Union Street and things with this thing, and sometimes it would go out and everything and blow up, and then I couldn't play it. You know, I used to have to play guitar that night, which is great too, but. The intent was to have these different sounds, and the accordion sound, I was so excited about it that it's, it's like sounds silly when you hear musicians say this, but it just kind of wrote itself. You know, I mean, they say the song wrote itself, it threw me or something. But it really kind of did because I wasn't, I don't think I really pre planned to write that, mm -hmm. but I love that kind of music, and so it came out really good. It wasn't a big effort or anything. Together, together. 
Enchanté, enchanté avec moi Enchanté avec moi Enchanté, enchanté avec moi Enchanté avec moi Donnez-moi, donnez-moi dans un concours Donne un ton avec moi Yeah, so you know that, right? Yeah, well, I learned as much as I could pay attention in that time span in high school, in which I know you know about high school. Uh, Yeah. uh, So I learned a little bit of that. So to introduce like a a, a song like that and get other players to play along with that, even though Scott's here, how has that been just 
when they're introduced to something that's a little bit different than what they're used to? Well, the group I have, and you know, and you said Scott too. Well, Scott and me, we've done all kinds of stuff. Like we have like kind of a uh, classical kind of thing we do too. I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems like it works with the band that people are pretty receptive to it, the people I play with. So I even had trouble. Yeah, oh yeah, and also on Shante, good, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> when um, Concert of Colors, it was three years ago this year, 2011, so when Don was heard it, he thought that would be a perfect song to do, and he played stand-up bass on it, um, the Max Fisher Music Hall, and it was so much fun because we had this huge band, and everybody was going for it on, on Shante, and everyone's real receptive because there's nothing really going on like that in a... Uh, I don't know. I was going to say in a rock band, but in any band, I guess. And then that's another thing that's so tough about you as a performer because you spent so much time, I guess now, you're classified rock, but jazz and punk, and what do you label your music? Well, here's the thing. It's, it's been hard to label it all my life, and that kind of held me back in a way. Like, I had the guys from Wasn't That Wasn't My Band for a number of years in the 80s, including Dave McMurray on saxophone. And you, I think you guys know Dave is, um, he's with Kid Rock now, but he's this amazing saxophone player. And Randy Jacobs on guitar. And so through this group, people were like, Are you, well, she's kind of punky, but it's R&B. So they got all mixed up. And, and it was hard to label us, which it can be a problem when you're trying to um, focus on a market, I guess. But nowadays, it doesn't really matter. So what happened with it not mattering is that, I, I mean, I didn't really care. I just was going to do what I felt. And... You know, maybe that hindered me in some ways, but I still kind of do that. We got recently our nominations for the music awards were classical and acoustic folk. And so Word Attack, the CD that um, just came out, got the, uh, an award for Outstanding Acoustic Folk CD of the Year. Whereas Honesty got an award for the Outstanding Rock Pop CD of the Year four years ago. So I think we've, we're, we've moved into different places. But, you know, I played the International Jazz Festival, too, in Detroit, which was hugely cool. I was really honored to do that. I did that with Racy Biggs, who I played with before, too. And we had um, Wayne Gerard and Ken Scott in the band, and it was just it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I remember that day. Yeah, and Peanut, Daryl Smith, yeah. I remember because Racy is just... Amazing. Yeah. And along with that, just knowing the community of artists, as an artist, we support each other, but the industry can be definitely a headache from time to time. How is you going about, as an artist, making your art into a business? Or do you even look at that? Um, it, there's been times when it, it seems like it's, yeah, how do I go about it? Well, it's it through all the years it's changed so much. I mean, now it's up to us. It, it always sort of was, but you know, there was record companies and everything and there really isn't now. I mean, yeah, of course there are some, but we're our own satellite now. We have to make things work um to make money at it. You have to know what you're worth. I mean, there's so many bands coming up that that'll play for free and and a lot of them aren't even that young anymore and they'll still do do it for free. So a lot of times that's kind of a, a negative thing. I mean, we, you love to play, but you also want to play and get paid for what you're worth. And it's hard. I mean, I, you know, we we don't know sometimes what to do. You know, you put the stuff out on the, you put your um, CDs on iTunes and Amazon and CD Baby and put some in the stores and you, then you have to keep promoting. Yeah. 
Now, starting off, what was the idea? Because most people say, all right, the first plan is let me get a record deal. It was. I think everyone thinks that. I mean, I was in the Cubes, and I was really young, and we were at bookies and everything. I, I remember EMI was coming in, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're coming in from England. We're going to get a record deal. And I was, you know, 17, or I might have been 18 then, but I think I was 17. And it was, like, huge. Are you kidding? But it didn't happen. And, like, all my life, I, I thought of the things that didn't happen, and and you have to think of the things that do happen, you know, because it's, it's easy to get stuck in the thing, oh, my God, you know, why didn't this work out? But, no, you have to keep pushing on, and that's what I kept doing. Like, I never stopped doing it, stopped doing music. And as you talk about what does and what doesn't happen, actually, one of the rappers that I know from the city of Detroit said it best, that it clicks. My friend Stretch Money said sometimes it clicks. It clicked with them as yeah. far as how... I can do this, I can do this. When was it for you as an artist that you could click with you that this is something I should do and this is something other people appreciate and this is something that I appreciate doing as well? I, I think I always felt that way. I think I felt that way since I was a teenager in my first bands. I mean, I thought people would like it. And if they didn't, it, I think for me it was... I don't know how to put it because you want people to like you and you and you, you feel bad if they don't, but yet you know this is something you do and I don't know if I got instilled this from my parents or what, but I, they would just say keep keeping on and keep your originality, you know, especially my mom. She was like really into, like I would say, God, someone's laughing at me or I'm bummed out about something. She'd say, you know what, be yourself, be original. She'd say they, they're, someday they're going to not laugh at you and they're going to wish they did what you did. You know, she would, she would do these things like that, you know, and I'd be, I feel like the odd man out or something in high school, you know, because you want to be popular. And um, I, I guess I didn't care, obviously, because I just kept doing it. Now, along that way, staying persevering. persevering yeah, that's, that's that. the word, persevering. One of the questions that I have, because I've had a lot of strange shows. <laughs> One time, I had a show in Canada with Nick Steve where the speakers went off, and we had to rap over people. Nick Speed? Like, uh, I know what that is. It's uh, the producer. We were. It's it's just a strange show. But what would you say is one of the shows that just stands out as something that one of them? Oh, that would take a long time to talk. No, there's so many weird ones. I mean, you think about the times when. You know, like a one band tried to sabotage us. We were like, God, I don't even want to say who it, it was in Kalamazoo at this gig. And I, I remember they got out and said, everybody, come on. We're having a big party at our house. Don't stay for this band. I'm going, what? And it was crazy. Yeah. And they got on stage and said that after, you know, because they were playing first. It was just wacky. And we had all these, we had like kind of an all-star band. And at that point, um... Uh, Wayne Kramer was playing with me, and it was a long. It was pretty long ago in the '90s, but we were like, "Why did they do that?" And then we had a big fight backstage, and it was just mass chaos. So anyway, but yeah, stuff like that would happen, and I, we attracted some weird stuff. I'll tell you, I, I don't know so much now. Do we still? to that degree I know just that's a minor thing but yet I mean we used to play and and people would come and get in fights I don't understand that either but we're not a combative type of of group yeah I mean I think everybody in your group surprisingly I've seen a lot of bands but everybody in your group has their pocket and everybody gets along yeah yeah and especially now I mean that there's you know I don't know if that was just the times that people were just kind of I don't know riled up 
and it was competitive and everything. But yeah, people now when they come see us, it's just such a positive. They, I mean, it, they just love it. They just, I'm, I'm honored that that's true. And then different backgrounds too. And you can introduce everybody in your band because I didn't give a formal introduction, but I know you got Ron, you got Bonnie. How did you meet Ron? At, at Cliff Bell's, we were on stage. Scott Mann, um, our guitar player, Jason. Uh, Jason had to move out. Of, he had to move for a job, but um, we had so much fun. And we were at Cliff Bell's playing, and Ron was playing with another um, gal. And anyway, it turned out that he joined our group, like kind of on the spot, you know. Okay. <laughs> so that worked out good. <laughs> okay. What about Bonnie? Um, Bonnie through Ron. Ron knew her from somewhere, um, and they met up, and she came to see us at, oh, you know, the Winter Blast. Yeah, the Winter Blast in one of the tents. So that's worked out good, too. All right. And then this is a real special connection, and he's here. Scott. When did you meet Scott? Scott, I met at Guitar Center. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I had met him years before, and I didn't realize, you know, I we had played together in the a long time ago in the 80s, and he was in this real f infamous Detroit band, the Stingrays, and the Stingrays were like, you know, kind of like the Romantics, but they had a, a real cool pop. They were like the hot band. Was the, what was your song? Oh, the heart is a hunter, and and we were always mad because they were the ones that got the airplay. You know, mm -hmm. they'd be, be RIF or whoever was playing them, and like, wait a minute. So they um, we played a couple shows with them, and and I guess you know, thir I don't want to say how many years went by, but then Scott was at Guitar Center, and he ended up um, joining up with me to play, and the rest is history. Okay, were you all already playing together when? You did the Paul Miles song? Yeah, we were. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you all have been playing together for some years then. Yeah, it was, it was, I had played with Patti Smith in England, and we did the Meltdown tour um, at Royal Festival Hall and, and thereabouts in England, and I came back, and um, Scott ended up playing with me since uh, 2005. Okay, so it's 2005, and then playing together. How is it being in a relationship and then also playing together, and then just balancing everything else out in life as far as being creative, staying in business, being in love. How, how is that all balanced out? You know, to me, that's kind of the best thing that, you know, when you're working with somebody that you're with, it's, it seems easier, you know. It does. I mean, the thing is, I mean, I've had a long-term relationship, a marriage, and, you know, it, it can be hard too, but for Scott and me, it's not been hard, has it? Has it been hard? <laughs> yeah, I remember the post, the, the post on Facebook, and, and the wedding. Everything's always seemed easy, and as far as like just staying on it, you all are always on the scene. Speaking of which, when's the next show? Our next show is um, the full band will be at Callahan's um, in Auburn Hills Callahan's Music Hall. We'll be performing Friday night, July eighteenth, and. We played there last year, and it's with Rio and the Rockabilly Revival, and it, they're fantastic. And it, we have this combination of bands that just work so good together, so I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. Now, when it comes to as far as shows and promoters, how do you go about getting the shows and getting booked? Well, you know, I, I've worked on this so many years, and we know a lot of the people that, you know, that, that put the festivals on and do the shows and things, and they call us back, you know, again, and... Um, pretty much like that. It's just give and take, you know, reaching out to people that you know and stuff. So, so it's the phone calls and it's the networking. Just over yeah, the you know, that could be tiring. And it, it also could be great and easy. It just depends because, you know, that's an added thing you have to do nowadays. You, you, you can't, it's almost like artists have to constantly, and, and it can get in the way of creating. I, I 
I mean it. I mean, how much time can you spend, you know, booking and, and, and promoting and doing all the things you need to do with that? But you have to know, you know. Okay. Now, moving more so into just your perception of how Detroit affects how you see music and how you see songs. Because I think Detroit is just a very artistic place. It's a lot of different types mm -hmm. of artists here. So how do you think that has an effect on how you approach records? Or do you think it has an effect on how you approach records? You know, I don't consciously think about it, I guess. You know, I, I mean... It's just for me. It's just I know it sounds so cliche, but it just always has been like it's not separate. It's like not something that I conscious. I think it's just unconscious that it, it makes it. It's just like it's a part of life, mm -hmm. you know. So your writing process when you write a song is more so you're writing the song when you feel, as opposed to sitting down and say I'm writing a song today. Right. Exactly. Okay. Well, you, you've had a lot of things to say because you've written some songs <laughs> over, over the years. I don't, I don't know, because as a rapper, I, I generally sit down and I say to myself, I'm going to write about these topics and I'll brainstorm. Almost like how people write essays. The way write You know, I might have done that before. You know, like when I wrote tons and tons of poetry, you know, and I was really maybe doing it that way, but I think sort of as a writer and sort of as a poet type, you know, the thought process is different. It's how you feel. It's all. It's so much based on feel, mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, not so much topic. You, you the topic comes like you. You realize you wrote something about something, and you didn't know that you were. You know what I mean? It wasn't like you were. If you force for me, if I force it, it's sort of not good. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. What about collaborate? We've collaborated. We've collaborated with a lot of different artists. How do you when it when the collaboration process happens? Does that put you in a different zone as far as yeah? Actually, it does because it changes. I mean, if you collaborate, the person's bringing something completely different every time, even if it's somebody you've done collaboration with before, because to me they're not you know it's in your head and then here comes their head so it's going to change things it's going to do something it's usually really good because it's a whole nother it's coming out of left field and with that because you can play the keys and you can play the guitar and you're a writer and you're a singer you bring many different skill sets to the table as an artist in music does that affect the way that you, yeah. the confidence that you have in it? It does because w what I write on guitar is completely different than piano. And I'm not a guitar player like a lead guitarist. I can't do that. I'm never going to be a great guitar player. But I, I'm confident in the way I play is a different style. Like Scott, Scott plays, he's amazing on guitar. And I don't do that. I play my rudimentary, <laughs> you know, kind of rhythmic thing you've seen me do. And, but for writing purposes that's really something great for me to write on guitar because it's it's raw and the piano the piano is my first instrument and I, it's totally different i just don't write the same at all it's like separate okay i don't know if i want it to be separate but it is you know okay as uh because the keys affect yeah, like melody changes, like, but but then again, sometimes it's good to to try the guitar song on the piano because that could change it. You know what I mean? Those chords or whatever. So, yeah, it just depends on the song, I guess. Mm -hmm. Am I? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, can that. I, hope I know you can. I, I, I 
I'm not sure. I think they can follow it, though. <laughs> okay. Within that, especially if they've ever written a song mm -hmm. and writing a song in poetry, I never knew you wrote so much poetry. Oh, yeah, I, I've done that for a long time. I mean, I started doing that when I was a kid, writing poetry probably. I don't know if I was like eight or nine, but it was just, and I always wrote. I mean, I wrote diaries, journals, and I was just one of those persons that was always writing. Okay, anybody else in the family was writing, or was this, are you, are you the, I think that sometimes, uh, yeah, <laughs> the person that creatively is just on the expression? I guess so, I guess that was me, really, um, you're right, because I can't think of anybody, I mean, unless I'm forgetting something, but really, I was the one who was always explaining and writing, and wanting to somehow figure things out that I, in my mind, right? So what, within that family? Brothers and sisters? My sister. Mm -hmm. A sister? Older yeah. Or younger? younger, 11 months. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's like, we're. I'm that's like twins. Years, what, what are we, 16 months apart, mom? Yeah, I'm 16 months yeah. apart. Yeah. My sister. Yeah. So you all are, yeah, basically the same age. For a month every year. <laughs> hand, hand in hand, walking foot in foot. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, Patty, um, my sister, she played piano too. She. But she didn't pursue music at all, no. What did she do? She has her own business in Ann Arbor um, with her husband, and they're public adjusters, so they fight for people to, you know, if you have a fire or you get um, broken into, they're going to help you get the most you can from your insurance company. Okay, that is a completely different path. <laughs> Way different. <laughs> than Rocky Road. Right. That is a completely different path. So is it as, as she saw you continue to pursue your career? Oh, music, she yeah. She, she I'm guessing the support was like wholeheartedly because that's something that seems way more in the line of like everyday grind, nine to five, books and paperwork and so forth and so on. Well, it is, but you know she was at all the shows and everything, and she still comes. Well, she's got a lot of kids, so she can't be everywhere, you know. But um, for me, I also had a day job. So, you know, I working with lawyers a lot of years and lots of trials. And then also I cuz I was at Wayne State University my whole life. <laughs> I swear to god, I just I just got another degree from there not long ago and you know, I started when I was really young. So again, I come compass Wayne State for years. Um, I have three different degrees, but um I teach too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you like teaching? It's a challenge. It's great. The kids are so much fun. They really are. They're um, it's high school, and there's the kids I teach are special ed, and they're just a great group. And I was at senior prom last night, so working that. Okay. <laughs> what was the senior prom like now, comparable to your senior prom? Oh, you know when my when I was graduating and senior prom and all that, I just couldn't wait to get out of there and go play rock. You know, play my my band played at some you know, uh, graduation parties, and when I just couldn't wait to get, because, yeah, that was me. Nowadays, though, it's different. Kids are, um, you know, it's scary out there, because you don't know what you want to do after high school. For me, I just knew my, for me, I thought I had my path, because I was, I was a DJ, see? I never knew you were a DJ. Yeah, and I, was d I went right down to WDET, and I was there, and um, had a radio show, but the kids now, they're, they're like they're excited to graduate but they're like apprehensive because I guess kids are always that way but to me it's worse now because of the job market because of the reality of oh my god I've got to figure out what I want to do it's a little harder now I think now within that because you've been a performer for so long and so many students 
feed off the idea of imagining something and bringing it to life. And I think that as an artist, that's what we do. We're creating something, bringing it to life. And I've actually come to your class and interacted with Yes, somebody. you're great, yep. How does that affect as opposed to some of the other teachers who feel like life is supposed to be one certain way? Because when I interact with students, I think it's a difference. But you find that difference as far as like in the classroom because as a creative person, you believe there are alternatives to doing everything? Yeah, I do. And that that's really good with special ed because there's so many alternatives to doing things that um, it helps. It really does. I think from my background of, of who I am, I think it's a great career to be a teacher. It really is. I mean... I mean, I can help the kids so much, you know, because when you're rigid, you can't, I, mean, I can't imagine being that way, you know. Yeah, now, I was surprised that one time when none of the students really knew what you do by night. I know, I know. It was just, you know, you've got to keep them, you've got to keep things going. And if you, it's about the students, right? So usually at the end of the year, I, I let them into a few tidbits. You know, I might show them a video or something, you know. Okay. And, you know, some of them do know because they've Googled me and stuff and they want CDs, but I try to still keep it kind of... Because I really want them to focus on them, you know, on what they need to do, so... But it's kind of fun. <laughs> now, and speaking of focusing on them and the blessing, you missed some time away from school this past year because everything with your health. I'll have you introduce it because I was like, man, and we were all in prayer. The whole community, everybody was like, Carolyn, love you, Carolyn. We want to have that support. So within that, first introduce it, and then after we introduce it, I definitely have questions about how that's going to affect your artistry, how that's going to affect as far as just your outlook on just embracing more of the creativity. Um. Well, it was it was last June I got diagnosed with this really super rare form of breast cancer, and and it was so rare no one seemed to know what to do about it. Like they weren't sure which way to go because it was kind of like, well, this doesn't seem that big, but yet it could be big. You know, that's the problem with cancer. You just and then I decided what to do and everything, but I had to go through a lot, and I had complications from surgeries, and ended up having four surgeries. In, the, in a nine-month period. And still, you know, I kept wanting to be at the school. I kept wanting to do gigs, you know. It was just kind of, you know, of course. And you can only do so much. But I pretty much kept in the loop of everything and didn't have to, you know, I, I was off five weeks recently, and I just got back two weeks ago. Um, but things are looking good, so. And that's what, that's what everybody saw. Everybody said, you're doing well. And I was definitely in support, and I'm like, even more reason to see Carolyn perform more and more and hit the stage. How is this going to affect your ideas towards creativity and just embracing more of touching that stage? You know, at first I, I thought, well, um, I guess I was kind of just dumbfounded. I didn't really know what was going to happen with with my whole music thing. Like, I thought, well, I'll put it on hold, but I didn't really seem to put it much on hold. Then I kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, I guess I, I guess I realized that life is such a big, life is precious, because you don't know how long, you, you have so much time, and you don't know how long it's going to be. But in a way, I still am pushing forward, like, even stronger, and I, I need to just step back and, like, cherish the moment. I've always was rushing past every, you know how you rush past, like, you're just looking at the next thing constantly, you know, wishing it was, you're here now, wishing, oh, God, I can't wait till this, instead of, 
I have a real problem with that, and I think most people in general do. You know, artists are not, especially artists are pretty driven. So I think that's one thing, but I think most people do do that. We all look forward to what's coming up. We don't look at right now, sitting at this, where we're at. Now within that, being, moving beyond and just touching the stage, and you bring a lot of energy to the stage. So I can just imagine it probably takes a lot of it to move in the show, period. Anyway, so I saw you, because I saw you at the acoustic show that was for the Detroit Music Awards this year, and you're coming with the same amount of energy it's hard for most people to keep up but was it anything that you felt like it may take away from your from your show from your set yeah I, I definitely do believe that because I, I went through a lot with my body and I feel like I have to be careful and I'm just starting to play again you know I, I don't think I can well, I'm not gonna be doing somersaults but I shouldn't be anyway but you know what I'm saying I just kind of you're right it has affected some of that because phys- physically I can't do everything and I'm just getting back where I'm starting to be able to but do I want to do I need to change up maybe I do okay and along with changing up in, in the stage and the energy that you bring to the stage you've been across the world actually performing what's some of the best give me some stories from traveling across the world and performing? Um, hmm. well you know, I, I played in Japan for two months, and that was... When was that? In the 80s, and it was crazy. 80s Japan? Yeah, and some of the um, the band I had then, they were amazing. It was Buster Marbury, who's since passed away, but he was on drums. and um, Anyway, the, I, I could go on and on, and it would take up the whole broadcast. Oh, no, <laughs> no I, had this, I had this really incredible band from Detroit that I brought over, and we put together. Like we, they, were, they were musicians who played with us. Like I had played um, just before that, Kern, uh, Lennar Brantley was with me, and you know he's with Lady Gaga now, and he's, he's a great bass player. But he was taking off, and Giovanni Collier was playing with me, and he was taking off. Those two were taking off at that time. Like Giovanni went on with Gladys Knight. And so we had some other friends come over with us, but um, we played there. You know, the, the crowds were great. They were just, and they were, <laughs> they had this whiskey. All the teenagers, like they, and some of them, I think, were younger than teenagers. They didn't have a drinking age, and they had their own bottles of reserved whiskey. They'd come in and get, it was crazy. And it was designed by, I don't know if you've ever seen Blade Runner, Ridley Scott. Yeah. Yeah, Ridley Scott, uh, he's done all kinds of films. Did he do Alien? I thought he, I don't know, but he's done all these films, but he designed the place we played at. So there was these big escalators going up. It was real futuristic. It was so cool, this club called The Bottom Line. And they basically had us playing there all the time. And uh, the troops would come in, you know, the American troops and all the Japanese. It was just crazy. Uh, people were so nice. And, you know, you could walk around anywhere there, you know, decked out, whatever you wanted. And they were so nice. Like, you know, if you're here, like, you know how here it's a little conservative. It, it It's not that it's not conservative. It's just they're different. They just don't judge. I mean, you're a rock star, so you can look this way all day long, right? Okay. Now, how did that get, who set that gig up? Yes, promoter guy saw us playing with the Ramones. I don't know if you've heard of the rock, infamous Ramones, and he was blown away and said, "You guys got to go to Japan." So there we were. Okay. Yeah. All right, now, money is always. You never know who's going to see you, so you got to be prepared. Right? Now, money is always one of those tough things when it comes to music and, and paying, and especially overseas. So, especially for something like that, was the money paid up front? Was no, it was. It was actually really decent. They they paid for the flights. They paid for all our food. They paid for um our place we stayed, and they paid us. Okay. 
Yeah. So it was all square. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's not all square. Now, it wasn't a bad deal. I mean, there were a few ins- uh, things that happened that were kind of, but I can't go into that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, the argument stuff. But it, it really basically was really good. And, um, you know, I've had, since then, I've gone overseas, too. And Scott went with me um, several times. And I think we're going to be going back again to Rome. So we're finding out about that. But we've gone to Rome twice and to London. And it's been great. Okay, Rome, what's it like there? Oh, that's great. Everybody should be able to go there. I mean, it should be like a, you know, some sort of thing where we can all go to Rome because it's it's so weird having the shops, you know, the fashion and everything right next to these ruins and, you know, just ancient, you know what I mean, the the stuff there. <laughs> it's gorgeous. The churches, the, you know, Vatican, right? It's just... What about the crowds? How receptive are they? To oh, the they, they, they are so receptive. They can't understand... What's really your, you know? That's what I was wondering is because they're not understanding what you're saying. <laughs> they can follow the music, but they're following what you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, they could tell by my expressions and what we do and how we play, and and the music translates. I know. Again, that's true. It's international language, so. Okay, now as you talk about that, what you're doing, body language, that goes a lot into rehearsal. Actually, I, one, one time we rehearsed. Sterling was there at one time. He came to one of the rehearsals with us. And oh, was that the one? Yeah, not long ago. For I believe it was for the what's that? The Arts, Beats, and Eats. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So rehearsals. How serious are you taking rehearsals? I know I've been there with one of your rehearsals, but how do you get the body language? How do you get the space? In the what is it? What's your mindset in the rehearsal? The rehearsal's kind of like the show. I just, I mean, there's times we break it down, we sit down, and we're working out parts and stuff, and, and that's more if we're getting ready to record. But a lot of times the rehearsals, it's almost like you, you go into the show mode because you're finding your way with the song. It's almost like they become new again at rehearsal. So you can find different things that way. But yeah, there's, there's, an, there's a certain intensity. I don't know if everyone rehearses how they rehearse because... But I think a lot of people do do that. Yeah, I think the one advantage of, that's one advantage of Scott being there, too. Because if you like it, then you'll say, okay. And he'll sometimes say, let's try it again. I know. And then you'll say, let's do it again. And we and do. And he'll say, let's do it again. And so if, for everybody listening, this is recording, possibly redoing the whole song over, or redoing the part over, or just getting the transition tight. Because it looks as though it's seamless when the show is happening, but tightening up so everybody, one, that's playing on it, feels as though they're being heard, and then two, everybody that's playing on it feels they understand it, and they're not afraid to go up a level, because every show I've seen, even from rehearsal, is gone up a level. Meaning that Bonnie takes it up a level, you take it up a level, Scott takes it up a level, it goes up. Yeah, thank you. That's nice you said that because, you know, the same thing when, when Dave and Ron are playing and Dave, they, you know, they have the, the rhythm section, you know, percussion and bass. And then Scott's, you know, Scott might extend his solo and he may tell Bonnie to take a part of the solo. And, you know, I'm soloing on keyboards, but a lot of the songs are guitar songs. So, I, you know, I'm playing just the rhythm. And... Yeah, we figure it out. We figure out stuff there and, you know, make changes. But the intensity is still there. And it raises. And speaking of which, we didn't shout out Dave. Shouting you out. Dave is, like, 
amazing too. Yep. Like, and that's another great musician. How did you meet Dave? With Bonnie. He was with Bonnie, so. Oh, he came <laughs> That's right. The just came together. We looked outside. Here comes Bonnie and Dave. <laughs> all right. So that's definitely all good. Yeah. I know, I know we're running up on time as far as what we have for the podcast, but I still want to ask a couple more questions just quick on some of the things Detroit that you like. Okay. Now, this is about Detroit. This is Detroit is different. So being in the city of Detroit, what's your favorite restaurant Oh, you can't ask that. There's so it. many good ones. Okay, well then give a give a couple. You can shoot off a couple. What what popped in your mind immediately? Oh, you know what? I don't. It's just a place I used to love, Union Street. Okay. I really do because I I, I knew all the people there and, and we we're all friends and I play there New Year's and you know like ten years ago and it was a blast. So I I love Union Street and it's just like sentimentality too. Because I was going there when I was at WDT when I first you know 17 years old and um. The places right around Midtown I like a lot, you know. I, I don't know. I mean. Okay. Second question. I know you're going to be like, this is going to be just as tough. I have a big Favorite list. Favorite stage you've ever performed on. And the place could be closed down now, too. There's a lot of places that open, close, change name. Wow. I don't know. In Detroit? In Detroit. In Detroit. Well, it could be the area. That's tough, too. I mean, we used to like playing at Lily's. I, I don't know. You know, there's places that have great sound, and I do they? Wait, let's see. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like just the vibe of a place, more or less. But we played in Hamtrama quite a bit. We used to play that place called Tracks, and I think those were pretty decent places. But in the past years, we've done so much. It seems like a lot of the stuff we've done has been festivals, you know? Sure. Well, I'm thinking of the bars we played. Um, you know, we, we liked Memphis Smoke a lot, and it's that's a blues, it was a blues place. But somehow, you know, we fit in there, which was cool. And I like that place a lot. But as far as other sound, Scott, do you, wh what do you remember that was the best clubs in Detroit? Bookies. Yeah, way long ago was Bookies. As long as I could hear myself, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you, the Majestic is nice, too. I just, I played there with Patti Smith in, um, in uh, September when she came back through. And it's just such a cool stage, Majestic Theater. And the Majestic Cafe is fun. Okay. All right, now with that, we're going to close out and wrap up. But if you have anything you want to say to anybody just as far as, like, words of encouragement to keep you going as ours? I think that you have to love what you're doing. And if you don't love it, I guess you have to step away for a minute and make sure it's what you want to do. Because the thing with music is either when, when people ask me and say to me, um, how did you get in a band? I can't hardly answer that because it just seemed like osmosis, like like it just happened because that's what I wanted. And I guess you know, looking back, it's been a it's been a tough road. It's hard hard to be a mu you know an, an, a working musician and artist in life, you know, because you have to make money. You have so many things going on. But if you love it enough, which I did and which I do, there's going to be a way for you to do it. You will meet the people that help you. You will end up playing with people you love. So I think you have to keep doing it. Thank you so much, Carolyn. You're amazing. And listen to the music. Thanks for coming out. You're amazing. Thank you, Kari. All right. Sinking in the rhythm of a word attack A little bit bold, 
a little bit whack She told me she ain't ever going back Turn around down with your big bad mouth Don't just give me something to shout about I've never seen someone so out of control So damn mad as she hits the floor She's the kind of girl that loves her heart She's the kind of girl on the boulevard She's the kind of girl I'm standing in line She's the kind of girl gonna have a good time Last night in a room out back This girl chucked out a little word attack Mid-retaliation, yeah, she's got your back Rainbow in the clouds, spin in your tracks Go around, down, don't stop your talk People want you bad, but they gotta block Nobody seems to know what is going on Refer a big desire for way too long She's the kind of girl who loves so hard She's the kind of girl on the boulevard She's the kind of girl with the real good time She's the kind of girl gonna make you run yeah. Hey, where are you going? You wanna get out of here? You drive too fast. Hey, you just had too many beers. I'm really sick of this all the time. I saw you on the street all the while. I'm losing what I want. Wait, stop girl, the neighbors. Neighbors, they don't care. They just look out. So this guy said he wanted to meet me. This is talk to you. heard this before. She's the kind of girl with the giant giant 